This is Madeline from Smart Home Stupid People. My name is Eris Felmuth. Hello, hello. <laughs> and we welcome you to another episode of Smart Home Stupid People. And this episode is called Forgotten Side Effects. And it's about, yeah, how quick we actually forget what happened in the past, even if it was something very disturbing, even like a very yep. impactful, um, Im impactful yeah. event. And but over time, it's kind of like you know washing out itself, washing out, and it's it's, it's not so present anymore in our mm -hmm. minds. And so we keep repeating the same, or society keeps repeating the same mistakes over and over, mm -hmm. because it seems like there is no, um, as you say, no no remembering, no no memories of these catastrophic events. And so for today, we picked one that most of you guys might never heard of because it's something that happened in, in Germany in the 1950s, 60s, right? Yeah. And so even I, being from Germany or being German, I knew just a little bit about it. Um, so for that episode, we really looked into it and I learned a lot more to mm -hmm. it. But it was something that I know the name of, but you know, I was never really aware of what really happened at that point. And so, yeah, I don't know, you want to say what's about or? <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to be talking about something that in Germany is called Contagon. Contagon is a drug that was produced in the 50s and brought to market mm -hmm. in the US and the rest of the world. It was called uh, thalidomide, I believe, or thalidomide. And that was the actually the the chemical substance. Of it was it, the right? chemical substance yeah. exactly. And when they were going to bring it to yeah. a market, uh, talidomide. Exactly. Yeah. And um, what, what's interesting about this is that this was something that created thousands of birth defects and really horrific ones. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, you hear these stories about he who can, uh, or you hear these the saying right, like a, a, from uh, 1984. He who controls the past controls the uh, present. Who you controls the present controls the future. And when you think about not too distant past, we have a lot to learn from. Hmm. And or you think about building something, and you put all your energy into it, and then it's built and it's done, and then it's like on to the next thing, right? I think that uh, often I, I know this to be the case in my industry that people don't spend enough time to actually really look at what they've built and compare it structure, uh, structurally to other systems and to just see if it will test it, you know, stand the test of time. When I first moved here over 10 years ago, um, in Northwest Berlin, I noticed there were a lot of people walking around with uh, no arms. Mm -hmm. And I mean a lot in the sense like it's not something you see every day. And I, and I saw this all over, not just West Berlin, but I, I noticed a lot in West Berlin and in the Southeast. I worked specifically when I was learning German for uh, a couple of people that I had met who owned, they, they owned a business running um, little markets mm -hmm. that eventually became some of the biggest markets in Berlin, you know, for um, flea, market, right? flea markets and so on and so forth. And I just, uh, when I was um, 
working there, I was uh, helping the people get to their booths, uh, making sure that the cars that were coming in um, to load and unload could get their stuff to and from where they had to go and get the hell out of the way. And the people didn't park in areas that were um, not good for the, 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 the marketers. And so uh, when I started to see this, I saw people have, with cars that were adapted to be able to drive with no arms uh, because they had hands literally just sticking out of their shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember asking about it and saying, what, 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 what is this? Like, why, are, why do you guys have this, this whole birth defect thing? What is that? Mm -hmm. and, and the guy told me, he says, you've never heard of Kantagan? And I mentioned, I said, no, never. Ever. And he says, oh, this was a, a big um, problem because in the 60s and the late 50s, uh, a drug was brought to the market that wasn't tested properly and we have thousands of people with this birth defect. Mm. And I, find, I found that to be just so... It was a bit shocking because mm -hmm. like, obviously we hear about a lot of these birth... a lot of these side effects from drugs. And to, to be in a, in a first world country like Germany and to see firsthand... A lot of people, you know, enough people um, living with horrific side effects. And um, it's not something that I, had a, as a foreigner, ever really heard of. Yeah. And um, I don't know, like I even mentioned this to other people. I said, dude, I came to, to Berlin and there are these like deformed people. And and it's and it's normal and, and and it's there there are there are all these like sayings in the German language and it's become a part of their culture and so on and so forth. When Madeline wrote her second book, she put something in there that she didn't realize was a, a horrible derogatory thing to the the, the people mm -hmm. with this uh, disease. In German, it translates to um, if you don't have arms, you can't get cookies. And uh, when she wrote it into it, to it it's, it's like, it's just, it's like this saying, you mm -hmm. know, like as we say in, in North like, America. You know, you, that was just bad luck, like no arms, no cookies. Like, yeah, exactly. Just bad luck. Exactly. Yeah. Just like we say, you know, the rule of thumb and so on and so forth. Yeah. And a lot of these weird sayings that we have come from perhaps a derogatory past. Mm -hmm. But with um, no arms, no cookies, the, uh, the, the people who are then correcting her book, they said, no, you got to take that out. We can't, we can't leave that in there. And it was funny to me because on one side, she didn't know why. Mm -hmm. And then they said, oh, it's derogatory to uh, people with no arms. And uh, she's like, well, I guess so. But, you know, that's the, you know, she didn't really know that that's maybe perhaps where it comes from. I don't even know if that's the origin of where it comes from, but it's definitely yeah. not something you say. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you don't say it uh, in an offensive way, but today you say it in so many different light ways. Children learn this saying, yeah. right? And um, it, it was just to, to kind of like put it into perspective Germany was the uh, like the apothecary of of the entire Western world mm -hmm. up until World War mm -hmm. II, right? Um, petrochemicals, drugs, weapons. Germany was the place that was building the the, the top notch stuff, right? And this is what what was able to bring it to the forefront and still make it relevant in mm -hmm. in, in world economies till to this day. You know, like. Um, when you think of uh, Bayer and uh, and um, so on and so forth, Monsanto, Pfizer, now they're all German. Uh, Pfizer, I believe, is... Uh, they, it's German, no? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that Bayer being the biggest drug company. There's this... So the drug company that created um, Contagan was called uh, Grünen... Chemie Grünthal. Yeah. Chemical Grünthal, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's an interesting thing because it's a big scandal. And at the same time, people have just forgotten that it really kind of ever happened. And what I was talking about the book a second ago about how when Madeline wrote this thing in there, they took it out. A part of me was thinking, you know, it's kind of 
shit that you do take it out because I think that these kind of sayings are all that's left in mm. the memories of people of something horrific having happened. You know, it'll kind of die within the winds of time and um, people will then have completely forgotten about it. And mm -hmm. maybe these couple sayings that you could only look through the deep etymology yeah. will lead you towards a, a horrific past that we have completely forgotten about. Yeah. But maybe, so, you know, just like put it more into perspective and I have a little timeline mm -hmm. how things happen. You want me to yeah, just please. put a little bit? So, yeah, maybe, you know, that, that German company, Chem Chemistry Grunenthal, was found in 1946 and... So they were also known for creating their own bacteria stems to produce antibiotics. Yep. So, you know, that's how they kind of really... Yeah, so antibiotics was a big thing after World War II, yeah. right? They, they they got their foot on the market and and they had a um, like a scientist called um, a Dr. Mukta. Mm -hmm. And he he's supposed to be the... the well, he found that specific drug called Contagan and the, the chemical insect... Talidomide, talidomide, yeah, thalidomide. <laughs> thalidomide. I guess that's how you pronounce it. And English. so they they tested it first on on animals, and there was no no side effects to it. So they thought like, well, no, that seems to be very safe. Mm -hmm. And one of it, it, there are many different sources, and you know, one says so, the other say a little different. But I yeah. think in general, it was they found out that it had um, a kind of like a tiring effect on on people right so yeah it was um, it was uh, it was like a sedative that, yeah it was like a sedative They're, they supposedly first used it for people who had ap epilepsy but it was not really helping but what they found was like you know make them tired and so they um contagan became really popular as a as a sleeping drug because also after you know it was just just a couple years uh, after the the second world where people were still traumatized from it and they couldn't sleep so they were all longing for something that helped them to calm down a little and, and sleep better. So the contagan was just really thriving and supposedly there was no side effects. They mm -hmm. they, they call it um, rest without regrets. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and... Um, so let me see that to go. I'm not for, uh, you know, um, we have forgetting our notes anything. Today. Today yeah, we're just working like have with some, notes. some more notes. So they just claim that this is for everyone. Even, even you know, like pregnant women can take it, specifically pregnant women. Because that was the it's thing. For, yeah, they specifically you know, like the, said that it was good for what? The morning sickness. Yeah. And so you can just take it. It's safe. There's nothing wrong with it. And specifically after Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe um, she took her life with um, pills, right? Mm -hmm. With the uh, sleeping pills. Yep. And after that, all the sleeping pills went off the market f for like, you know, without prescription. So you didn't get them without prescri prescription. Right. My goodness, something today. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> slow down, Maddie. <laughs> and so Contagan was still on the market that you could get it just, you know, like 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 bonbons. And like that's what they yeah, yeah. said, you know, it's just as as harmless as having a bonbon. And so you can just... Well, you have to say candy. Bonbon is kind of something oh. else in English. What is it? Well, I mean, if you think of Married with Children, Peggy Bundy was yeah, always yeah, in she bonbons. Yeah, the bonbons. Yeah, but bonbon doesn't mean candy. It's like a type of weird chocolate ah, okay. uh, thing. So but, yeah, like candies, yes. you know, just like a little sweetie yeah. thingy. And so you could buy that stuff everywhere in an apothecary, like openly, you know, there was no, no. prescription for it. And, and for you Americans, an apothecary is the pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. Pharmacy, pharmacy, right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and I also said, you know, like there are no side effects. It's, it's, there is no prescription needed. And yep. also you can, you can take obviously a lot yep. from it without, without dangering yourself into yep. self-care. I read that before yeah. it became, um, 
required to be sold with prescription, they had already sold 310 million daily doses worldwide. I didn't actually find out what the daily dose was, but yeah. presumably it would be like three to five tablets or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy. When you really think about how many, and, and they exported to 40 different countries. Yeah, except the US, uh, there was one... This is an interesting thing, yeah. ...ministry, I, I forgot the so, name, like she was the female, right? Uh, female defending ministry? Well, specifically the US, just to, before you go into that, they, yeah. they, the FDA, uh, the Food and Drug Administration, was founded yeah. in like, I think, 1905 or 1908 or something like that. And the Food and Drug Administration was only really responsible for people mislabeling things or or falsifying labels you know to say that you're 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 buying sugar but there's actually flour in the bag mm. you know that that was the the FDA's kind of job is to make sure to uh, uh that that a type of trust with with the product um description and so mm-hmm. on and so forth is actually that there's a standard for it and then in 1938 there was something i wrote down here that was called the elixir sulfonylamide and this is what was brought to the market in 1938 mm-hmm. that um, changed the way that the FDA ended up um, operating because they ended up with all this new power saying that no, drugs need to be tested. And not only tested, they have to actually be approved by a by a central agency before they hit the market. And it was done because of this elixir that was created. It was originally just a pill form. Mm-hmm. And the pill form um, was was safe. And it was used all throughout World War II as a type of uh, um, antiviral or something like that, right? And what was crazy was is that they said research shows that a lot of people would prefer cough syrups. They want to drink their medicine instead <laughs> of, you know, to swallow a big pill, right? And so they said, let's make this drug into a liquid form. And when they did that, instead of mixing it with alcohol, because I presume there would have been an issue with the one, with like maybe, because mm. as we know, um, alcohol and water are the two biggest solvents in the universe. If it doesn't does dissolve in water, it'll most likely dissolve in alcohol and vice versa. So oils dissolve in alcohol and sugars dissolve in water really nicely and so on and so forth. Um, and for whatever reason, the type of alcohol they ended up using was actually, it was, it was like, um, oh, what's the stuff called? You wash your uh, windows with... Um, Antifreeze. They ended mm. up mixing essentially the drug with antifreeze and it's li- to, to keep it in its liquid form. Now, for those of you who don't know, when you drink antifreeze, you know, you can survive. It's, it won't kill you right away depending on the dosage. But um, what was ha- about 100 people ended up dying from this cough syrup because after, you know, a, a couple dozen doses, your, your kidneys can start failing mm-hmm. like after a month or so, right? And that's what was happening is people were actually dying of kidney failure because mm. of the label was also not completely accurate. It, you know, um, it said it was an elixir, and technically, for it to be an elixir, it needs to rec- have like ethyl alcohol in it. Didn't it had a different type? Mm-hmm. Um, and because of this, in the 1950s, when um, thalidomide was brought into the country, formerly known as Contagon in Germany, um, this there was a lady who stepped up and put a big stop to it and says, "No, first off, we're already backed up." And that was the other thing too: is it didn't hit the market even earlier. Because it had to go through this drug approval, which was the first of its kind um, mm. at the time. Well, first of its kind, but it was uh, it was very different in contrast to the rest of the Western world. Yeah. So, and it's to say, whereas in Germany there was not no such thing as a you know like a medicament law, so they just yeah. dropped the the new stuff on the markets and 
and people were just trusting the system. They were just trusting them right. that, you know, they were um, had the proper testing and all that. So there was no, no really, um, no official way they had to go through in order to prove that this yeah. stuff is actually safe. So While yeah. you're talking, I'm yeah. going to bring up um, our studio here. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I'm going to show you guys a couple pictures. I'll just keep them sliding while Maddie's talking. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is Contagon in, in its original one of its original mm -hmm. forms, and I got some pictures of victims of the Contagon. Yeah, so that's actually where we're coming to right now. So after a while, um, you know, people first of all they started noticing that there were some side effects. Mm -hmm. um, that you know, people like had neuronal issues, and so that um, Dr. Mukta, who was actually you know involved in the it was, whole, a, it was a nerve disorder or something. Nerve disorder, yeah. and then so people that. started you know it's like saying maybe the stuff is not as safe as you guys you know say it's safe, and then so he started mm -hmm. actually um, trying to bribe, bribe. Mm -hmm. bribe these people and you know just give them money to to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And but one thing. So really, they they could show like after eight months after they really mm -hmm. after Contagon hit the hit the market. So it was nineteen sixty one, and then mm -hmm. eight months later, they saw that there was a lot of kids um, coming, you know, like newborn who had severe um, deformations, birth defects. Yeah. Birth defects. So most of them were had had no arms and or you know just uh, yeah not not right. Developed arms. As you can see up here, this is very typical um, yeah. Contagon survivor. And so the question was, where does that come from? And, um, and it, was, it wasn't just the fact that there were kids being born like that. Actually, thousands were dead. Dead, the, dead. Like most of them yeah. didn't survive, right? And that's the thing that, uh, that that's really hard to find a number on that because um, after World War II, what had happened was is that the German government decided specifically to no longer enforce when a child is born with a birth defect to write it down and mm -hmm. document it. And the reason mm -hmm. why they say that was done was because of the uh, the Nazi time, that when people were identified to have certain genetic defects or, mm -hmm. or whatever, they can be taken and um, tested upon and, yeah. and inevitably killed and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, so uh, for this reason, writing down birth defects was no longer necessary and a lot yeah. of the people who were born couldn't be found. Yeah, I'll come to that in a second. I'll just, mm -hmm. you know, I want to um, follow a little bit of that timeline. So in 1957, actually, that when it started to, to um, sell Contagan on the free market, and in November 1960, uh, sorry, in August 1961, they started to put it on a prescription because to that mm. point, there were so many people saying, you know, I have side effects, something is wrong here. And then yep. also they, they start discovering that there must be like a relationship between the the Contagan and these birth defects of the people because you could really see, you know, the increase of the intake from people. Yeah. Yeah, like having that contagon stuff and then the occurrence of, of these um, kids that have, you know, these horrible malformations and no arms and not like, you know, as you see on these pictures, crazy. And so we, we just watched a very well made documentary on that where, you know, they talked to the people who that really happened to us. So there was that one woman, mm. she said, you know, when she gave birth to her son, um, <laughs> she was all alone. And then the nurse came and she asked him, is your, is your husband sick? And she said, why? Well, it's like, because your son has no arms. 
And she's like, what? You know, I want to see him. Show me. Mm-hmm. And then so she's just asked, like, will they still grow? And then the nurse said, well, this these kind of things will never grow again. You know, this, this won't grow. And she couldn't even have a look at her own son. They were taking him away. And then also mm-hmm. she got said, you know, you might just make a new kid. <laughs> yeah, that's what they you originally know. suggested. That they said maybe you just leave this one be. Yeah, and we'll... just just let it you know be somewhere. And so her husband didn't want to you know just leave it like that. So that he was actually a, a, um, a lawyer, and so he started really finding other people who had the same problems. And yeah. obviously that was not by, a... by by word of mouth. He was literally going to village to village, knocking yeah. on doors, saying, "Hey, yeah. um, this is a picture of my son. Have you heard of anybody in this area who also perhaps has a child looking like this?" Yeah, and then they yeah, say yeah. that house around the corner. Go check yeah. it out. And then you know, just they, the kids were just like somewhere pushed into the corner and and just like living there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and they would have never probably find out that this was really related if not so many people would have taken that Contagan stuff. You know, because then you could really see like that it, there was a relation. When, when we said that by 1961, 310 million daily doses. Uh, were sold. I'd still like to know what the daily dose is. is it might even say. I on think here. it's just one pill, right? So no, it says here um, like, one to two bedafferigend order. It says here one to two t- uh, daily, right on it, on the package. See? Oh yeah, so yeah, if you have one or two. I think that's what it says. It's cut off by the blue, but it says one to two, and I think that would be täglich bedafferigend order, mm. right? Anyway, the point is, is that uh, here it says right here, Schulkinder drei bis dreimal täglich. Right. Anyway, the point is, is that uh, the daily dose looks to be like it could be anywhere from three to four. And when people have it for free and they can eat it like candy, who knows how much they're actually taking. Um, yeah. And uh, that was also interesting. You know, they asked the women, so, you know, what could have that been? Like, yeah. they tried to figure out what could that be the reason for all these people having the same deformations in, with their kids. Mm-hmm. And what what was their, what did they have all in common? Yeah. <laughs> and so they asked them, you know, did you ever take Contagano, you ever took that pill? And she's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. So they went into her, you know, pantry, yeah, pantry house, and just yeah. had a look. And then they found that well, pill in all of them. That was the whole thing is that this yeah. stuff was so popular. It was more popular. Like if you think you have Tylenol or or ibuprofen in yeah, one of ibuprofen, your cabinets today, like yeah. um, th- this would have been the equivalent of that yeah. back then. That yeah, everybody yeah. had at least a box of this lying around some, somewhere. Yeah, you know, yeah, if you're yeah. tired, you take a pill and go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, yeah, obviously there there was a relationship amongst it. And it was said that one pill was enough for this to happen yeah. in pregnancy. You know, specifically in the second month when... And they were telling people to take... the women. They were telling yeah. women to take it for morning sickness. Yeah, right? so, so they were taking you know, it immediately every day if yeah. you want to. But yeah, what happened was in that in that phase when the embryo starts growing its extremities, um, Contagan actually stopped that process. So yeah. the arms were just like at a stage of a two month old fetus and not really growing anymore or just like un, 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 I don't know is that unproportionally yeah. <laughs> so eventually well, I, what, what, yeah. the other thing too like a, for a large proportion of them because most of them from what I understand died um, and, yeah that's what the other thing and, you know only uh, the ones that are surviving right. but still have these uh, and so there was a lot of like uh, respiratory issues lung yeah. development it wasn't just the arms the lungs weren't actually growing properly and yeah. so even today I hear that a lot of the people who have survived they have ongoing um, pain yeah. And who knows how long they actually will live. That's the other thing too. Um, yeah, I mean that, that you know, um, just have a look. And so the other thing 
to to come back to that, you know, this is this was also in, all in West Germany where you know we had a, like a different regime in West Germany. It was like mm. the the capitalism, whereas in uh, so GDR, to, we we, we the, really like today it, uh, the memory. You know, really, the memory of past history is so bad today that we actually have to explain that. I think that a lot of people yeah. still to this day don't realize that Germany after and before World War II um, wasn't really a country the way that we think of Germany today, mm. right? Before World War II, you also had East and West Germany, but it was East and West Prussia, and then you had Bavaria in the bottom. So there was no such thing as Germany as a country that we know of as Germany, I think, until World War II. Uh, before that, it was Prussia and Bavaria and, and Saxony, and, you know, like there were different mm -hmm. empires, right? And after World War II, Germany was divided into two countries, East Germany and West Germany. Mm -hmm. East Germany was a part of the Soviet Union, mm -hmm. And West Germany was uh, essentially well run its by the own government, but it had what was called, I can't remember what it was called, the um, three things. Well, things the films. Allies. Yeah, the yeah. Allies, the Alliierten yeah. is what they called them. So it was um, run by France, Germany. And the uh, U.S. Uh, so France, U.S. And England. England. Yeah. Sorry, no. France, mm -hmm. U.S., England, and then Germany also together. So that was the whole point is that these three superpowers overshadowed everything that Germany did up until very recent history. Mm. And... Um, this is where you have Berlin, which was kind of an ex exception to the rule. Berlin was an embargoed mm -hmm. city-state capital, kind of, inside of East Germany. Mm -hmm. So Berlin, half of Berlin was West Germany, mm -hmm. even though that half of Berlin was inside of East Germany. Yeah, it's a little complicated. And you only had a little street going from like one highway that ran from West Germany, uh, West Berlin to West Germany, mm -hmm. which today is like, um, if you guys know about... Uh, um, Wolfsburg, which is where all the Volkswagens are made. Mm. That's like the first city, I believe, that you hit when you um, when you hit West Germany. So West, so Wolfsburg, where the Volkswagens were being built, was right on the the the, the border of uh, East and West Germany. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, just to get put that into perspective, because I know that a lot of people don't know about this, mm -hmm. that that was a thing, and that even still, like today in Israel, they have this huge wall that goes around Israel separating the Palestinians, and this wall is meters high. Like we're talking, some, I think, 10 meters high in some areas or something like that. The Berlin Wall was kind of like the precursor to that. It was, it was kind of the inspiration for building yeah. that. And so around West Berlin, they built this wall, and this wall, and I, and I don't know what they did of, of, over on West Germany. It was mostly rivers and stuff, and they had um, blockades and and so on and so forth. And um, but around West Berlin itself, you had about a four meter high wall that was anti tank, and you had a couple of them, and then you had a dead zone in the middle. Mm. And uh, there were only a couple checkpoints, which they call checkpoint Alpha, Beta, Charlie, Delta, and so on and so forth, um, to actually cross into East and West um, Berlin. Yeah. So the big the reason why we're talking about this is because before the wall was actually constructed, the the wall was constructed in uh, what year, Maddie? Oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was actually 1961. Oh my god, I'm so bad with history, to be honest. And end of end of the 50s, early 60s I is uh, when the wall was constructed <laughs> because it took it took a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that means that Contagon was on the market before the wall was officially built, but yeah, you still had the two different governments in in power. Yeah. And that meant that for a couple years, the East German people were able to just drive over. They were not allowed to buy these drugs, but mm -hmm. they could. Yeah, so you have to. Yeah, so it was not allowed in in uh, East Germany because that was the the government there is called the Politburo. 
they they had their own agenda. So there was actually also no advertisement for medicaments. They only allowed a certain amount and and um, brand of of or like uh, medicaments mm-hmm. on the you know that the the GDR people would be able to take. And so they didn't allow the the contagant to come into the country, which doesn't mean or which didn't mean that the people in East Germany were not able to get it somehow. And I can speak from own <laughs> experience, you know, growing up in East Germany, we mm-hmm. always got packages from our relatives in West Germany. And so although these packages had been, you know, um, searched and at the borders yeah. to make sure there's yeah, no, yeah. nothing in it that is not allowed, but yet still there was the possibility if you know to to get this stuff and so for the women in 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 east germany who, ha- who took that during the pregnancy and from that got a, a child that was sick from it they will never you know there was they had such a bad position in society because right. obviously they were they playing against illegal. the rule yeah, yeah they they did something illegal and now no one will support them uh, on on in their um situation so but yeah, eventually, you know, w- w- what happened, so there's that number of 5,000 children that really had to suffer from Contagan. Um, and worldwide is uh, 2,000, what was that? 12,000 people 12, worldwide, worldwide 5,000 yeah, people in Germany, in Germany. and only 2,700 were actually able to be compensated. That was the other thing. So eventually, you know, there were a lot of, of them coming together and really trying to make a court case is that how you say that? Yeah. Against, um, I, I, uh, so tell me, in, in Germany, who was like, how did the court case come to be? Was it the people against the the, the company or was it, because uh, I don't think it was a government agency. I think it was really the people against the government, the, the, the think, corporation. I think it was the people because the the politicians didn't really, they didn't really, yeah. you know, they didn't do anything against mm-hmm. it or probably just waiting until the whole thing maybe dissolved itself, but it wasn't because... That was actually the point when um, the chemistry Grunenthal really had to take the stuff from the market when the media got wind from it, right? Yeah, that it got so, out of hand. Yeah, yeah, they they really um, they really brought that into the newspapers that so many kids had these um, these mal- malformations yep. from that medicament, and once that went through the press and it was public everywhere. So, you know, no one wanted to take that stuff anymore. And it's crazy because, you know, when you think about it, the, the first side effect that was reported was the nerve damage, right? But, yeah, and it didn't really make a lot of press because no. it's not as, as shocking as someone missing their arms. Yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't it was as shocking as there. thousands of them, yeah, yeah. right, in a small area. So basically it could have been prevented, right? If, if at the beginning um, the, the Based government… Based on the first yeah, indication. Yeah, and this is like the reason why said, we're talking you know, about… Stop doing this. Absolutely. The reason why we're talking about this today is, uh, you know, I'm done here. <laughs> you're done with that. You're done. All right. No, I'm just saying I have my list now. <laughs> you're good with your list. All right. Uh, the reason why um, today we're talking about this is really because uh, of trust. I think that's a big thing. You know, uh, on one side, it, it, it's a nightmare to to have to go through something like this, right? To be on that side of the stick. You know, yeah. So to say, absolutely. They just, try to explain, you know, even though they got compensation, I mean, how do you want to compensate a life without arms, a life without, you know, being or having a normal life that you could live, right? Well, it's it's so. not even just the normal life. It's it's the fact that uh, like the, the the like 
the family is it has to struggle and suffer, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it, it's funny because when it, all of this, right? Well, one of the the things that happened was is that when it first started, very much like today. I mean, we're talking about this obviously today because of the shit that's happened over the last couple of years has become now of epic proportion where people are still trusting big government and big companies and and mm. brand names, you know? And this is kind of the reason why I'm pushing this story today up. It's, this, this this was definitely more my creation today. You know, <laughs> Madeline was at, earlier saying, she's like, can we do an episode soon about something positive? And I, it's 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 a thing like where I just, I just felt that a lot of people have never heard of this story. And the positive thing that I want to kind of push forward is, is that um, you, you don't, if, if when you realize that you don't have to put trust into these demonic entities, um, you can disempower it and you can empower yeah. yourself. And that's kind of what I really like to focus on today is that it, it is horrific to see how this kind of this how this has unfolded over and over again. You know, we go back to even DDT usage, which mm -hmm. was after, which was also in the sixties and seventies, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and you know, spraying um, Vietnam and, uh, and and the people who ended up with uh, malformations from that. It's it's. It's unbelievable to see how so many things hit the market, made big money, um, caused huge damage. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's a slap on the wrist when it's time to go home because because it didn't work out the way that it was intended. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There with, was no one, you know, really taking responsibility for this. And also in that whole Contagan yep. thing, I think at the end it took a, a couple of years for the whole thing to, to be at court. But yet I, I don't think that they really got like a penalty in that way there was too many people right. involved and right there was a lot of confusion well, and this is the thing is that it was the, responsible for what right in, in the u.s when that uh, elixir had come out the original scientist who was responsible for for creating it because it was uh, you know he he killed he killed he uh, committed suicide right and the company was fined and so on and so forth i'm not sure exactly of all the 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 details there i mean that was also in the 30s in 1930s so it was a even uh, an extra 30 years older and um, today, when you talk about taking something and putting it in your mouth and you don't actually know whether it whether it be just like packaged food, mm. you know, um, they had this whole thing in the U.S. not too long ago of pink slime, where pink slime was they were taking a meat that had expired, running it through a turbine and injecting it and, mm. and, and with uh, ammonia in it. And the ammonia through the turbine was removing all the stuff, like in a in a what do you call um, when you, centrifuge? When you, yeah, like a centrifuge, removing all the shit that's bad for you. And what was left over was this like ammonia injected meat product that could technically be consumed. Mm -hmm. And they were re-injecting it into normal meat. And not telling the consumers about it. And then when people came out, they gave it a name and they called it Pink Slime. And they said, okay, that's not a good name for business. <laughs> so they just changed the way that they do it by changing a molecule uh, around. And mm -hmm. after having done so, they were allowed to call it something else. You know, you've seen this in your industry, um, in your foundation often that you fight something like a pesticide or a, a type of genetic modification. And then as soon as the court case goes against the favor of the company they just create something very similar to it and remarket it and start from the beginning you know yeah or there's some certain you know of, um, exclusions from it and, mm -hmm. and just special cases and yeah. yeah yeah well in this case what had happened was is after the court case in 1967 i believe it was they um 
because the company was a, a GmbH, which in Germany is like limited liability, mm. it means that uh, they can't be held responsible for their for their problems that they're bringing onto the world. So what ended up happening was that the company uh, was then being investigated to mm -hmm. see if they knew about this before you know in, 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 at an earlier time, and they did. This mm -hmm. was this is what really came out is that not only did they know, but people in the media and the government knew mm -hmm. before. Uh, the court case and before everything became a big problem and they could have definitely done something about it. And instead it was just a bunch of people trying to cover their own ass, you know, and eventually what ended up coming out was a hundred thousand, a hundred million Deutsche Mark from mm -hmm. the corporation, uh, chemical Grudenthal, right. And a hundred million from the West German government mm -hmm. was taken and put into foundations in order to help these people. Mm. Plus, they were paid out. Exactly how much they were paid out like back then. Like a monthly rent, uh, well, um, pension. They right? had a pension that they were given, right? right? And I think a lump sum for retroactive abuse. And, but it wasn't that much. It was like 500 a, mo a, 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 a month or something like that. Nowadays, in today's, they just in 2013 re revamped it. And they came back and said, this is this is horrific. Mm. Um yeah, we had like a hunger strike, I think, you know, to push the really the monthly rate up to seven thousand. Well, so exactly, so it was pushed up to seven thousand. So now they have uh, seven thousand uh, euros a month, and so on and so forth. But the the real question is, is like financially, it's not just the one life; it's the whole mm -hmm. family that suffers. It's the it's 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 a lot more than that. And it's funny because, well, I mean, funny in a in an ironic or or horrific way that. Um, all the people involved in the original corporation, they didn't suffer. Mm. You know, they, they weren't penalized. No one went to prison, right? And and this is this is the thing where it's it, it look, if I if I was just the 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 king and ruler and uh, decision maker all by myself, I would just simply and this is the thing, I think that most people would, would react the way I'm about mm -hmm. to. I would just simply say, you guys really fucked up. Yeah. I guess you've lost your permission for limited liability because you've proven that you can't be trusted. Therefore, the company's gone. Done. Yeah, take this take the company the away. It's done. No yeah, longer yeah. needed. The original idea of limited liability was to serve the public good and interest in the sense like you wanted to build a bridge. Okay, so we're going to form a corporation so that a lot of money can be poured into it and no single person is responsible for whether it works or fails. But the idea was is it's in the interest of the taxpayers mm. for this to become a thing. So if it fails, then the tax people can say, okay, we, we, we did want that bridge. It was a good idea. And politics play a huge role into that, right? Yeah. And so today when we're talking about um, limited liability, it's, it's not like that anymore. It's yeah, like anybody yeah. could go out put uh, 10 to 15 grand on the table and say, I would like to create a limited liability company. And then they, their company mm -hmm. could go into bankruptcy for way more money than the 15,000 that they lost. Yeah. And the taxpayers have to pay for it. Well, you know? Yeah, obviously, I mean, their goal was not to bring a medicament on the market that really helps people, but to just make a shit ton, ton load of money. Well, whereas, you know, once the first complaints were kind of in, they could have said, oh, well, you know, stop doing this now. Sure. We've, we've, we run for the test. That's also um, 
other you know lawyers said you know yeah. you guys should have tested it way longer on humans uh, you well, should have tested nobody on told them animals. they ha- should have and had to are two very different yeah, things in the true. court of law and this is my yeah. point is that in the US you already had the FDA that says you have to you have to yeah and in the, in Germany it was like you should have and yeah. and there's a big difference yeah yeah right of course. and the problem is is that when you have big money backing that and a lot of people with big educations in Germany um you think that anybody's going to stand up and say yeah I should have Nobody did. Not a single fucking person mm. stood up and said, yeah, I should have and I fucked it up. Mm. And I think from a human point of view, this is something that I think that is really difficult for even a regular human to, to master in their life. Specifically in that kind of dimension, right? I mean, Post- stand World up War and say, II. like, I'm responsible for so many kids uh, having the miscarriage. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's like when you put it all together and you acknowledge that the... <laughs> the cat is crying in the back. You want to go take care of that? What does she want? <laughs> well, she wants food. She wants to go she over there. She wants food. Go over there. Okay, just, I'll just uh, take my microphone with me or you want to... You can take your microphone. Oh, That's a good okay. idea. Okay. I just put her outside with some, some cat Fiona, food. Fiona, you want to... What do you want? Yeah, the oh. cat was outside all day long, know. comes in 10 minutes before the show and uh, two portions of cat food wasn't enough. <laughs> so the whole point was that um, the corporate structure was there originally to protect the people. But in the end, it was actually there as as a tool to protect the company and not the people. And so with the corporate structure um, being in place, at the time, I think that the big the, – the, the, the way that people looked at companies and corporations at the time was with a lot of trust, you know, because they assumed that – after the world, after the second war, it was the big companies that came in and helped with rebuilding. It was the big companies and the foundations that helped put the money in the right place. So there was a lot of trust um, in a lot of these big names, unfortunately. And today, when I think about you know growing up and coming to Germany, then years later, it was a very interesting thing for me to see that in North America. People have a genuine distrust of Big Brother and have a genuine distrust of big companies, big pharma, and so on and so forth. And then coming here to Europe, I found it was actually quite the opposite. I found uh, an increase of people wearing name brand clothing. You know, um, Nikes are everywhere here. Oops. Seeing seeing lineups around shook stores of of people wanting to get the the, the next uh, Nikes or whatever that was coming out onto the market. And I hadn't really seen that before because when I was in my teens, it was kind of like already a well-known thing that was coming out that – you had, for example, Kathy Lee Gifford doing her whole thing where she had a clothing uh, line where the sticker on the clothing line says uh, procedures, uh, proceeds will go to uh, prevent um, child slavery and uh, abuse and so on and so forth. Sounded really great until you found out that the people making the clothes were between the ages of 11 and 14 years old. And these kind of stories that, that were coming out a lot more, finding out that the way that Nike made their shoes in the Dominican Republic was like an unbelievable science of exploitation, you know, paying people, um, telling them that they have X amount of minutes to make X amount of whatever and uh, they're getting paid 10 cents, 12 cents an hour, whatever the case may be. The point is, is that eventually the product that hits the market is being the the, 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 the labor costs was like three-tenths of a percent in contrast to the retail price. And then, as I mentioned, you know, coming here to to Europe and trying to even 
tell that to people who I, I've, I've met a lot of men here who have a, a, a cupboard full of Nikes or a cupboard full of, 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 uh, of uh, Chucks, what are you, all-stars. Yeah, come on in, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's uh, and then telling them like, Hey, didn't you understand that like, you know, these things aren't, uh, aren't, aren't what you think they are. They're not like these really great quality things that uh, were built by big fun loving companies. I'm just explaining to the listening audience, Maddie, about, yep, uh, um, you heard everything. Yeah. About, <laughs> about uh, the, the way that corporations have been kind of deified here more in Europe than mm. where I'm from. And where I'm from, like I said, there was a healthy skepticism that I think that was started building up um, maybe since the hippie revolution, right? And, mm. and because that never really happened here, it never occurred. Yeah, we were very trusting uh, in, in government right? and, you know, everything that and is presented. Of for you for as us. an East German, um, that a, a lot of East German people even identified freedom with name brands. Like McDonald's was a symbol of freedom. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. I heard stories of people living in East Berlin seeing uh, the Coca-Cola blimp up in the sky. And that was like a, a sign for freedom. And and this and and uh, as soon as the wall fell down, people uh, people were wondering why. Like people saw the Coca Cola blimp in the in in the sky, wondering what's it doing over top of our heads because it was kind of like the wall's down now. Coca Cola's on it. You know <laughs> they're 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 flying their their trademark across the border now. Yeah, yeah. And I remember people, you know my my mother since we had relatives in West Germany, so she mm -hmm. was allowed to cross the border right every once in a while and to visit the the people in West Germany. And so she said every time, you know, there is just so much stuff and it's it's way more colorful than it was um, back in, in the GDR. And yeah, right. I mean, you know, I was six when the wall came down. I didn't really got so much from it. But definitely yeah. I, I remember that my parents took me to Berlin since we were living very close to Berlin, only like half an hour by, by car or maybe 45 minutes by car. So every once in a while we went to Berlin and they had so-called intershops. Yeah. Intershop was, yeah. uh, you know, something where you could buy with your East German money something from the West. And so yeah. they had like all the bling bling stuff. And I remember my mother telling me, you know, now you can pick one of the, the, um, the the puppet no not puppet but like a doll right yeah, yeah. so and she's like they had Barbies and Petras and all that <laughs> so yeah I really remember that uh, since it was yesterday yeah Petras Petra uh, Petra was the Barbie in Germany I don't know if she was the Barbie in Germany <laughs> but my mother said you know I I picked the Petra because she was dark haired and I liked her better than the blonde <laughs> and right. she had a blue blue dress. Anyways, but I still remember that it smelled so different. It was a whole different world for yep. us. And, and you can't imagine that. if you Toys weren't never, made of wood with rusty nails. Never experienced that. <laughs> what? <laughs> Toys weren't made of wood with rusty nails. Well, it wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, I had a, um, I had everything that I, what, when I, what, uh, what I needed when I was a child. But also it had a lot to do with relationship, you know. Mm -hmm. My mother, she was a... She was um, a saleswoman, or would you yeah, say she, that? Yeah, she worked in sales. Yeah, uh, she worked in sales. So she was working uh, um, in in grocery shops, and then mm -hmm. she had a friend who was uh, working in a shop for clothing, for mm -hmm. children's clothing, but also for women. And, you know, back then, all the women were kind of uh, queuing up on the doors, waiting for, for the shop to open. My mother went down the stairs uh, yeah. behind the doors and back doors, and she was running through the nicest stuff before uh, the other people even had a look. <laughs> Look at it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because she See? knew they knew each other, right? And so the other way around, she gave uh, to her friend from that shop, 
the best uh, the food. oranges and yeah. the bananas that they, they got every once in a while while other people were standing for hours mm-hmm. and hours so yeah yeah i mean it, it again it's it, it was a very very different world um yeah. I think yeah. I asked Madeline as a joke when I was going to meet her parents for the first time if I should bring bananas. <laughs> I was told that when you go to meet East German people that you bring bananas. Well, <laughs> I guess now, you in know, the, in the 90s, uh, it was a thing. A couple of years ago, yeah. I think. Or the good. 80s. Yeah. 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 So I, I talked about brand loyalty for a big reason, because brand loyalty, it's like when people identify <laughs> with their name brands, with even... Um, organizations it's 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 this form of trust that you're developing with something that doesn't exist and mm-hmm. i think that's important to really understand is that yeah you do have products that are made with blood sweat and tears you know mm-hmm. there are products that are it, well literally when we're talking about things like the diamond is, industry and so on and so forth but also people who pour their soul into making good project uh, products and so on and so forth whether it be a table or a chair um but when it gets to a point where it's no longer the the watchmaker who's making the watches and it's the company and the watchmaker is just one of uh, a thousand people, mm-hmm. then it's it, it, it's it the the brand loyalty kind of gets corrupted because now the only relationship you have towards the watchmaker is actually toward the name of the company. And you have mm-hmm. no idea who's actually producing the watch. You have no idea yeah. how they're getting the stuff together, how they're putting it together. I, I worked uh, with electric vehicles years ago and I couldn't believe when, at the time, a lot of the uh, the main boards and chipsets were only coming from China. And today, it's still like that, actually, in most of the world. Um, when you want to get certain controllers and so on and so forth, you're going to be getting a Chinese import. Mm-hmm. And even if you buy it from a German or a British company, the guts inside it might actually still be coming from China anyway, and they're just putting it together mm-hmm. to a degree in Europe. Um, and it's a big problem because I've seen in the past uh, the Chinese companies themselves, when they have a product that they bring to the market, whether it be like a, like I was saying, like a, a controller for an electric vehicle, um, or even like a controller for your for your motorcycle that uh, that, that that's for the, the the turn signals and the all that stuff. It's like just a little box, you know, in the past like a CDI uh, for a for like a motorboat a motor. And um, what they were doing was is the motherboard would be made at one place, right? The Copper wi- the copper wires would be made at another place. And the, the the LEDs, the diodes, everything would be made at a different place. And they'd be just constantly assembled and moving around. Mm-hmm. And so the company that was bringing the, the product to the market was typically the assembly company. And they had their own, in, in China, still to this day, they have to meet their own quotas. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the Chinese businessman comes in and says, hey, if we put eight strands of copper instead of 13 in there and make the jacket of the wire thicker, it'll look the same. It'll feel very similar, mm-hmm. but uh, we're saving, uh, you know, on the strands of copper. And this is exactly what I've seen happen. I've seen uh, um, electric vehicle controllers delivered and all of a sudden they're shorting out mm-hmm. and nobody knows mm-hmm. why. And I, I, I'm like going through all these different diagnostics. Everything seems okay, but it's just, it's like, it's tolerance is different. And so what I ended up doing is I said, you know what? Back to the drawing board. We're, let's remove all the wires from the controller and uh, take it from there. And as soon as I started cutting the wires up, I started realizing I've never seen a wire like that. Mm. I've never seen a wire with a jacket that thick with that with 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 no insulation and a little bit of copper. Mm. And then I opened up the generation before that was re- released to us. And lo and behold, thin jacket, lots of copper. And the reason why I say this is because the factory, when we called them, they themselves didn't know. Mm. They didn't know. Yeah. 
right? They didn't yeah. know that the wires that were already pre-attached to the board had a different density of copper inside them because they got that from a third party. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah sure. And I yeah. say this because in the in, in in the drug world, it's not different, right? The 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 people making the labels and putting everything together and running the tests, like it's all so separated. And all you have left is your trust. And so I say this because now we're getting into this next the next portion, which is I think going to be the last one. Today's not going to be a very long episode. We wanted to really just jump into it and mm-hmm. talk about this today. Um, what about personal responsibility? Mm. Right? I think back then it was a very different world, so it's hard for us to relate to that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? But um, today, I'm still, I'm, I'm a person that today, it doesn't matter what it is that I put in my mouth, whether it be uh, um, a, a, an ibuprofen pill, mm-hmm. which I don't, I, I I don't know the last time I took one, right? Like a, a, a painkiller. Uh, whether it be a pain, a simple uh, yeah. over-the-counter painkiller or it be, um, doesn't matter, like a prepackaged uh, yeah. macaroni and cheese or something like that, you know? Um, to me, I'm the type of person that really wants to know what the hell's in that stuff. And if I start reading the the ingredients on something and I see something, I, I, I don't yeah. know what it is or I can't pronounce it. It looks a little skeptic. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a little skeptical. And I just put I just don't eat it. I just put it down, right? I just don't have that trust anymore because I've seen too many bad situations yeah. in the past where people eat shit and find out decades later that that the the main ingredient in what they loved, whether it be a spider yeah. aspartame was the big one, the sweetener that everybody loved, all of a sudden is related to like brain damage. Mm. Brain damage. Yeah, because yeah. you didn't want to take you didn't want to eat sugar, but you wanted to have the flavor. You know, um, these are, to me, amazing wireless technologies. You know, everybody jumps on the wireless technology. And I'm still of the opinion that um, it's not safe. Wireless technology is not safe en masse, not the way that we use it. Mm -hmm. You know, for little things here and there, sure. But when everybody around you has a transceiver in their pocket, it's not possible that the safety regulations can be met. Yeah, yeah. And when you read the safety regulations, it's pretty funny stuff. They'll say like... uh, you should uh, like when you install, for example, because um, I've, I've seen this in my company. You install the 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 five gigahertz routers. It says right on the things. Often there's a safety warning that says don't install this within two to three meters of where your head will be. Mm-hmm. Right. It's actually uh, depending if it's a two gigahertz, two point four, uh, or a five gigahertz thing. It'll say anywhere from two to five meters of distance of where your head will mm-hmm. normally be. And I see people installing these things under children's beds. So that they have better cell phone reception, whether you know, because I see girls sleeping with their with their iPhones underneath their pillows or their or their 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 cell phones, and they put it on vibrate. So when someone messages them at two in the morning, they get the message. You know, um, th- this is scary stuff. It is I, scary. Go out there and read. I should have brought this up. I'm going to do this for next episode. Um, read the disclaimer of the iPhone. When you do an uh, when you do an operating system update, I read it once and it was the, it was the most frightening thing I ever read. Mm. You know, in it it says specifically, don't hold this device within a centimeter of your body. Well, <laughs> where do people put these things? They put yeah. them in their pockets. Yeah, or you know, like having that on the chain or, or to something. their head when they're talking. So my point is, is that just because there's a disclaimer somewhere in the subtext of the noise of the product that you're buying, it, it is that is that legally justified mm-hmm. that you can be harmed by it because technically that's what's happening, right? Yeah, yeah. So I say this now because we're we're now in, in this new world where we recently watched this documentary called Died Suddenly. It was uh, floating around the internet and I heard it from a few people and watched it. And it's, it's if, if what's in there is true, 
then oh, the human race has a fucking big card to play over the next couple of years, yeah. right? It's it's about uh, people uh, being vaccinated over the last couple of years and the morticians who are pulling tumors. Not tumors. No, tumors um, like a um, coagulation, um, right? Like, kind cl- of like, like protein clots, so not blood clots, protein clots yeah. in the veins of people, out of them by the foot. And, it's like worms. And the crazy <laughs> thing is, is that in Germany, we don't have morticians. Because Germany doesn't embalm people. Germany mm. instead burns people. And it's very difficult to get a funeral. I think it's impossible. I think not, that, not only, but you also have like funerals with, with, I mean, the whole, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole person. So I think we have, but we're not, I'm probably o- open not Open casket doing, funerals yeah. and burials. This, I've, this I've we heard don't have. Is, no. It doesn't happen yeah, here. And so that. that means that even when you go to a funeral and someone's being buried, they're burying the urn yeah, in a casket. You don't see that person anymore. Yeah, but it's not the full person in the casket. I've heard that in Germany now that uh, the that you ha- in order to be buried, you have to be already cremated. That's a law they passed like 10, 15 years ago. Oh, really? I don't yeah. know that. I, Okay. Whatever it means, whether it's in every province or uh, all, all over the place, the point is, is that open casket and embalming and funeral homes is not something that's normal here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we and don't so, want to have anything to do with death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, in, in, like you, you, you uh, mm. were there when uh, during two autopsies or one. One. You were there. One during, was enough. One was enough. Right. One was enough. <laughs> and uh, so, unless somebody was actually, um, unless there was an autopsy that was supposed to be made, mm-hmm. nobody knows what happens. And no, this is what no, was no. interesting is that this movie depicted. Um, hundreds of morticians because morticians like they embalm the bodies regardless whether the body had an autopsy mm-hmm, or not they're mm-hmm. preparing them for the open casket funeral mm-hmm. and um these or and burial right uh, you don't i don't think they bury people anymore with blood in their body i think they always put uh, formaldehyde in, in, inside them instead and um it, it, it's just like i said these people the only reason why this even came to be is because hundreds of people started saying um, this isn't normal. Mm. And all the embalmers started saying that uh, within the period of when um, the COVID vaccination was brought to the market, this is when they started seeing this. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, for all, any of you guys out there, I heard about it and I thought to myself, I don't need to watch another movie about this garbage. Or, or I, don't need to, I don't need to be told about this stuff. I, I, you know, I, I opted out from a very early period because I just didn't trust. In the same sense that like, if I can't read the ingredients and know how they're made and where they come from, I don't touch it. Mm. It's that simple to me. I didn't need a bigger excuse than that. End of story, right? Yeah, yeah. And because of uh, um, federal, man, uh, not mandates, but yeah, federal leniencies, they didn't have to write the ingredients on anything that they were putting, shooting into people. And so for that reason, I thought to myself, yeah, I'll, I'll wait until they publish the ingredients, then I'll read it. Mm. And then I'll, I'll, I'll see what happens then. But the ingredient list still hasn't been published to this day from what I understand mm. of what's in the uh, various inoculations. So that, like I said, it's a scary thing to see that because it's a very it's a very similar thing to Contagon. Contagon took about a decade before it came to trial. And when it did, it was a slap on the wrist for the people responsible. Mm. And this was only a few decades ago. And then we have another similar thing today where it's estimated that thousands of people are dying. And uh, it's the same. It's the same song and dance, you know. Um, so, without having to go into that whole bleakness of today, <laughs> the big thing I really just wanted to focus on was: um, you have the ability to mm-hmm. choose whether you want to opt in or not. Mm-hmm. End of story. 
right? Yeah, End of story. Yeah. And I, it's it's like whatever pill goes in your mouth, you have the ability to choose mm. whether you want to know what's in it or not. If, you, yeah, yeah. If, if, if it's your thing that you can put a pill in your mouth and you don't need to know what's in it and, and you can trust that uh, that there has been that, that whatever it, it, synthetic stuff is in there has been tested and that it's going to be good or bad or whatever that that's that's a personal de- decision mm-hmm. that everybody can make for themselves but i definitely do think that there is a personal responsibility that people need to take for themselves when they decide to do something like that and something like a miscarriage happens or something like a a, a, a baby is born with uh, without limbs there, there is a personal responsibility that people then have to address for themselves afterwards and say, you know, maybe I really should think about the ingredients in the stuff that's going in my mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Well, again, you know, like um, if you have that trust in the government and you think, you know, why would they give me something that is not safe? Yeah, you go. I think 2023, we're now in this epoch where yeah. very few people can say they have that trust. Mm. But it still shocks me to see how many people still play the game. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 uh, specifically when it comes to food, I think food is one of the weirdest things to me. You know, <laughs> it really is. Like, yeah. uh, it's. It, I actually had that decision to make. You know, two days ago, I think and I had such a bad headache, and I tried the the natural remedies. Like, I had a herbal tea, and it was not working, and I felt like my head was just exploding. So I took the ibuprofen because I knew this is what helps. It helps me, <laughs> but I each time I do it, it's just like my last. You know, yeah. the last thing. I would choose because I I, I can't take like there's yeah. nothing else um, for me. But other than that, I'm not I'm not touching any any chemical things. And that's or, your choice. And, and, and that's like, my choice. Like we yeah. have a, a comment here that uh, Felminator says that she got the vaccinated because she felt uh, she required she she had to do it because of the coercion mm-hmm. uh, because of uh, she would have lost her job and she wouldn't have been able to go to movies. Um, even my 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 mother has said a very similar thing to me too. She ended up getting it, and I couldn't believe that the reason why she got it was mm-hmm. because of uh, social pressures as well, that she wanted to see her friends and she wasn't allowed to without it and that they were afraid because of it. And it's just, to me, it's it's such a, it's, it's such a thing where when you really think about it, um, the big companies and the governments, they, they know damn well mm-hmm. that this type of abuse, we talked about this in the last episode. This is mm-hmm. why it's actually very relevant in this episode. The last episode, we talked about abuse and the different types of abuse signs that are portrayed um, in, a, yeah. in, in a clinical diagnos- uh, diagnosis of abuse, right? And uh, one of the main things was really um, to control and shame people and coerce them into doing something that they don't want to do uh, because the abuser wants to um, to change their personality, to, uh, to um, suppress them for whatever mm. reason so that they can be empowered. And and that's and that's well, also the, control who they are with and when and what. And it's do. classical abuse, mm. classical narcissism, classical. And and it's yeah. it's a real shame to me to see how many people uh, became just fell victim to abuse on that level. And, and retrospectively, yeah. like the, the amount of people that I have come up to me today, and when they find out that I'm at work and I'm and I have never been vaccinated uh, against the COVID stuff, um, they congratulate me. It's a different mm-hmm. world today. Like mm-hmm. it happens to me over and over again where people congratulate me and say, you know, I'm very happy that you did 
survive your your mm-hmm. your work world and your social world without having to have done that mm-hmm. because they then con- they then confess to me and they say I didn't want to I had a lady in tears a customer of mine in tears that she did it mm. you know and and she's like I didn't want to I did not want to do this but everybody was on top of me my uh, my my you know her husband was well educated her friends were all mm-hmm. educated his friends were all educated and she was no longer welcome in their cycle of friends she well, had, yeah, and that's the, the worst thing you can do to a social animal to exclude it from the herd. You know, it's just like such a deep fear that's running uh, right? in us. And yeah. yeah, I didn't think we were going to go into this topic too much on this episode, but it's so relevant yeah. in, when you when you really think about it. Like I said, it's very easy to say that something is harmless until something like this happens, mm. right? It's very easy to say that something's harmless until you see this, right? And these people have to live the rest of their lives with this struggle because yeah. of the um, poor decisions made by other people. And like I said, I don't want to put all the emphasis on the the, the the people who decided to take the pills, specifically because at the time it was a very different world back then. Yeah, again, where, you know, just see, have to see the, the context. People were like still, you know, having all this anxiety mm-hmm. from from time of the war. Like they just yeah. wanted to have peace and they just wanted to have a good sleep and yeah. just... They were just looking for better times, and yeah, it's so funny. Um, things came all, together. Another thing that I've heard a couple times was that actually the uh, GDR government, so the Soviet Union government of East Germany, came out and used this Contagon epidemic as um, a way to uh, fuel their political politics. Yeah, in the sense that they said, "Look at the Western world; they're poisoning their people." And not even they know that they're poisoning their people mm-hmm. because the capitalist system is doomed to fail. So, uh, so the the Soviet Union used Contagon as a way to show their citizens that capitalism is actually detrimental to your health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and and even the eight people in East Berlin who ended up having children who had uh, um, defects, mm-hmm. they were not. Like Maddie said earlier, they were not compensated because the East German government said, "See, I told you not to take anything from mm-hmm. those uh, from those capitalists. Look what happens. Now it's your problem. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with it. Don't come to us for a uh, for uh, for any money." And mm. uh, and some of them got compensation right after later the wall on came a- down. after the wall came down in the nineties, they started to get compensation for yeah. it. Yeah, retroactively. But again, how you want to compensate for that, right? So exactly, yeah. exactly. So. Today was a pretty right. uh, crass uh, episode. Crass. Crass. You can <laughs> say crass. English you, word. You can say that in English. That's true. Yeah, um, the the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about was that um, the actual chemical structure is, uh, of it is C thirteen H. I have to go closer to the screen for this. H ten N two O four. So technically, it's a carbohydrate with nitrogen. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I looked into it. Uh, if you were to just remove the nitrogen from it, it becomes a, a methyl group. You looked at that earlier with me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you understand that better than I do. Well, you know, it's years ago. But yeah, it was a uh, methanol thing. Yeah, and uh, so the point was, I was really curious as to how the drug was synthesized, and I couldn't unfortunately find it anywhere. But it's really interesting to see how, um, if you remove the nitrogen from it, it's a de- it's a typical carbohydrate that I learned I learned was. Um, it's produced naturally by some plant, just okay. just natural in the environment. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, to me, uh, because I studied chemistry years back, and I was really fascinated. You know, I wanted to go forth with that um, until I started seeing the industry, and I just thought to myself, "Nah, nah, 
not not going to happen. Mm. Um, I think that like a good place for me, if I were to have uh, got a master's or a bachelor's in chemistry, I probably would have ended up using it in like uh, whiskey distillation or something like that. You know, that's, <laughs> I think that's a good application for for a chemistry degree today. Make beer, make make some whiskey. You know, yeah. do something fun um, to understand. You know how the the microbes actually the biology really more than the chemistry, but the biology actually works within these mm -hmm. things in nature. You don't need to fuck with them. And I say that because obviously this was a carbohydrate that was fucked with. Mm -hmm. And in in doing so, it had these horrific side effects. For what? So people can 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 go to sleep easier. Mm. And again, also, you know, you're not really solving the problem with that. Um, that's the last, putting yourself yeah. to sleep, but you just like yeah, solving the symptoms, but the the problem is that these people were just so deeply traumatized. You know that pill couldn't help for a long run. Yeah. There must have been something else. Just really go at these these dramas and really try to process that. I don't know if that's even possible. Like my my grandparents, you know, both um, were affected by the war. My my grandma, she was refuge from um, pressure. And my grandpa originally coming from Slovenia and he was also serving in the in the war and then eventually they both met where I grew up at that area. But, you know, they've seen and experienced things that like horrible, horrible things. And mm -hmm. just some of them they, they spoke about. The rest, I think they're just like trying to f try to forget or anything like that. But still, I think these memories are not, lost they'll trans transfer from one generation to the next as a mm. somatic experience as a you know just it's, it's just runs in your history in your yeah. um in your family and still i sometimes can feel you know like i don't know how to say that but you know these emotions that when my my grandma talked about these topics and i was little yeah. i felt her fear i felt her anxiety and her pain and and the traumatic experiences that she had because I just picked up on that. Yep. And so, you know, step by step, also in my life, I try to, you know, with shamanic work or whatever healing experience to really bring that to the surface and once and for all get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And yep. that was something, you know, like, and I think it, it really took a couple or it takes a couple generations. Like I, I know a lot of people my age who had the same experience and all their grandparents mm. went, had the same timeline and we all have the same dramas as well. Um, really trying, now we have the time to heal these kind of things and yep. look at them. Yeah. Um, there was a lady that you, uh, that she also has a, a show on Rockfin, Beth Martins. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, you did a, a little bit of a, a, um, a couple sessions with her mm -hmm. in the past. I found her story to be very interesting. She's born in, she's from Winnipeg, from where my mother was originally born. And um, she had cancer, uh, I think uh, lymphoma, was it? I think so, yes. Yeah. And uh, after all the chemos, all the treatments, they just told her, you, you're dead. Mm. We can't help you anymore. And um, so after all that was said and done, she decided to do um, at the very end the shamanic healing, the spiritual journeying and because uh, she had nothing else to lose. Yeah, and she was reading just, you know, just um, I read her book about it. She said she was laying in her bed, looking at the ceiling and kind of went into like a dream-like state where she really experienced the mm -hmm. being part of the universe and kind of almost like an out-of-body experience. And then once she came back, um, she just really felt that 
everyone has a purpose. Everyone there's more than to this. And yep. so she she got better. She helped herself, you know, really fueling herself with that life energy and eventually completely healed from it. Yep. Um, Felminator says that generational trauma is a real thing and yeah. it changes the structure of your brain, DNA, and so on. And yes, it's definitely genetic. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I could say 100% um, to that as well. There's an interesting story about me moving to Germany and um, uh, rekindling um, family relationships with my German family that uh, was, the, the, the link was severed to uh, my upbringing because of uh, my father's adoption. And um, going and meeting them and seeing those dramas, mm-hmm. it's just funneled straight down to us. And it's just amazing to see the, the dramas that my father has. And even on, a, on a, a bit of a maybe an esoteric level, I moved into uh, Southwest Berlin in 2010, um, maybe a five to 20 minute walking distance from where my grandmother lived. Mm-hmm. And she had only lived once in her life for like six months or a year or something like that outside of Bavaria, twice actually. And once was so that when she was in Southwest Berlin, uh, which was right before she moved to uh, Paris for a few months where she um, gave birth to my father mm-hmm. and then went back to Bavaria. So it was really interesting to see that for me, there wasn't only the the generational dramas and traumas that I saw uh, in myself and my siblings, but also the there was like this elastic connection tethering me to the geo- mm-hmm. geographical regions to try and discover this stuff too. And I found that even just coming here and um, taking it all into my own awareness helped me a lot mm-hmm. in in getting over a lot of things. I just became so much more relaxed. I remember in 2013 when I was going back to uh, North America to visit friends of mine, they all said the same thing. They said, I've never seen you so relaxed. You, you look different. You're radiating differently. Mm. And um, yeah. and that was because I really, I spent, uh, I, I took myself out of my normal environment. I spent a couple of years not even speaking my, I didn't speak English for really a couple of years. And um Learning, learning a language and reimmersing myself into a new society. My uh, at the time, to be wife didn't come with me. She got <laughs> cold feet and stayed home, which ended up being a, a massive benefit for myself because I probably for me too. <laughs> for, yeah, for Maddie too. Um, I would have probably never jumped upon by myself for so long had I known a hundred percent that I was doing it alone and. Um, it turned out for the better because, you know, I go back home now and most of my uh, family and friends, they're where, where, where we were raised. You know, they, they don't live there anymore. They've all moved away. Um, they all have their own problems, their own things. And so uh, the place that I called home, it no longer is home for me. And now I'm here and this place feels more like home mm-hmm. on a different level. So, mm. um, yeah, curing ourselves of these things is a very interesting thing. And I find that when one goes through that, and I've seen it not just from my experience, from other people as well, mm-hmm. um, things like caring about what goes inside your body becomes a thing. 
Yeah. Right. Uh, I've seen I've seen some people who only start to care about what they put in their mouth after their first heart attack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And also, you know, I was I was someone like that too. Like I've never really took a lot of pills in my life, but I was mm. definitely trusting the whole vaccination. For example, you know, I was traveling yep. a lot when I was younger, so I got all the shots I could get. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, having a bad reaction to it, where I got, I had a um, heart infection from, and um, I was um, you know had to lay in bed for for weeks because mm-hmm. I felt so bad from it and after that I was really questioning you know is that actually something that's necessary but absolutely when I started more into the spiritual journey where I asked myself I think or is my body not able to heal everything itself that's needed and if not mm-hmm. you know what can I do in order to support with with herb medicine and from there I really never really touched anything anymore as i said except you know it's like um painkiller if it's really really bad but also this is something i discovered uh, many times and if you focus on the pain and you follow your intuition and you really try to figure out what's behind that Mm -hmm. like with me and just to give that example a couple days ago i had um um so much pain in my my mouth and my tooth and it started at the day where my colleague said, you know, Madeline, I have to leave for 10 days. I feel like I'm close to burnout. I'd have to take a vacation, mm. which something, which was something that I actually want, I wanted to do two, two weeks ago because I had the same, you know, the same need. I also felt like I need some, mm. some, some days off. And once he said that I, from there, I, I felt so much pain and pressure in my mouth. And it was like, why is that now? Just came on like that. Yeah. Just came on like that. And I focused on it. And then the situation came up where he said, you know, I'm leaving because then now all the pressure is on me because I'm the only one responsible yeah. in the in the company right now who can make decisions and everyone is coming to me. So, you know, the, the pressure I want to take off from me uh, initially now kind of doubled or even tripled. Yeah. And once I realized that and also thought like, you know, you can, you know, I can breathe in, breathe out, nothing will happen. You know, I can handle this. Yeah. Then the pain went away. But we, this was really something my body was reacting to a situation from the outside. And that was so interesting to see, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny, huh? Yeah. Yeah, but it's a hard thing. I think that, uh, as you mentioned, you know, before when you were traveling a lot, you went and got every, every inoculation available because not even you know, thinking a second, you yeah, know, yeah, that it, this could be for uh, me, dangerous. I, I had like three big things in my life that changed me fundamentally, and I think the first one would have been, um, well, I mean, there are many of them, but I mean, to sum it up, uh, really. For me, the bir- the first time I, I questioned, for example, religion and and um, mm. um, my social environment uh, in my teens, you know, that that was a that was a big thing. I, the actual thing that I, I think started the questioning for me is actually I, I was really interested. I was an altar server. Um, I was really reading the words of Jesus, mm. and I realized that what he's saying has. It's like against the church. Mm-hmm. He w- he was actually the most anti-church person <laughs> in the Christian religion mm. himself, and um, he himself called it empire. You know, to just he called he called what we would call today the the global syndicate or uh, mm-hmm. the cabal that rules everything. Jesus called it empire, mm. and um, and he ta- he often talked about it. He said, uh, you know, there was that that's that um, part where. He freaked out, um, and people were soliciting. They were selling. They had a market in front of the church on the church steps, and he walked up to the church and he just started smashing everything. And he said, uh, "You know, this is not a place for solicitation. This, mm. this is a 
this is a place for spiritual connection. So I'm paraphrasing. The point is, hmm. that was one thing. And then after that, what really struck me was when I read about how the Catholic, or really how the, the Christian religion was spread to the North and throughout Europe. And that to me was the big one when I started to see this, this was a weapon. This, this wasn't religion. This was a weapon, right? It wasn't a natural religion in the way that we would, you know, talk about Vedic or, or Celtic or Norse. You know, this was a weapon. It was a completely different thing. So that was a big thing for me. Um, later on, I got sick in my uh, 20s, really sick. I got uh, a nervous thing, right? Because I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't, um, I, I really wasn't, like, I, I thought to myself, you can't die from sleep. Uh, well, deprivation, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't have enough behind me to back me and push me forward. So I need to build more. And so I worked multiple jobs at the same time. I only slept a couple hours a night and I did this for years, all throughout my late teens to all to when I was about 25 years old. Mm -hmm. And then about 23 years old, that's when it happened. Um, I started getting fevers every night. Every night before going to bed and um, the weekends were the worst. I, I always found that Friday, I was like to the point where I couldn't go to work Saturday. Like I would have had to call in sick. But the recuperation of Saturday and Sunday was always enough to get me back to go to work on mm -hmm. Monday. Um, to the multiple jobs that I had at the time anyway. And uh, eventually I ended up getting hives all over me. Um and the doctors, I went to 11 different specialists. I remember that number very clearly in my head. Mm. 11 different specialists. None of them could help me. And they kept telling me the same thing. They said, we believe it's a virus. We believe it's a type of herpes. We believe it's shingles. We believe whatever. We believe, you know, maybe it's a multiple sclerosis, something. Yeah. And the only solution that any of them really gave me was, here are the pills you got to take. And they cost like 500 bucks a month. Where I was born, um, you, you, you don't have drug coverage mm -hmm. in your in your medical care, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and I just remember him saying, oh, are these too expensive? Well, hold on, I'll just give you these ones. I'm like, well, what's the difference? He's like, oh, it's the same active ingredient. It's just another company name. Mm -hmm. And I just, the fact that the doctor could mm -hmm. say something like that so easily. Yeah, yeah. Right? And say, well, it's the same here. You know, if you go into the pharmacy and you buy something of brand, it's usually cheaper. It's like, oh, you have good insurance? Yeah, well, here's the stuff you want. Yeah, Meanwhile, yeah. everybody in the country is wondering why they're paying so much on fucking insurance, mm -hmm. right? So uh, my point is, is that the first experience with the religion really helped me um, look at my society mm. and not care what they thought of me, you know, because when I saw these these couple key markers, I realized I, I'm, I'm okay to be sane in a, in a group of people who are insane. Mm. They will call me insane, but I'm okay with that because I saw something that a lot of them didn't want to see. And through that ignorance, I found uh, a stable foot in, in you know, yeah, yeah. in life. And then later on, um, going through this 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 nerve problem that I ended up having, it took me a couple of years to really solve it. And uh, still to this day, I have issues. Uh, it, it's a reoccurring thing, but um, I have it definitely way, way, way more under control. At that time, I wasn't functional, right, for for the last while um, of 2009 and 2010. And... Um, not wanting to take the drugs because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable with it. I, I thought to myself, it can't be that I have to be on drugs for the left of, rest of yeah, my yeah. life um, because this is happening, mm -hmm. and, and they can't even tell me what it is. They're just telling me this is the only solution. And so, what I, what did I do? I went out and I learned about uh, 
how viruses feed. And I learned to starve viruses in my body. And I learned that uh, the, the psychological effect that uh, viruses have, specifically um, immune, uh, what, do they, what do they call them? Um, the viruses that are opportunistic, so opportunistic mm -hmm. viruses and so on and so forth. But also you just gave yourself more rest and, you know, really kind of just finding well, that was the point, more is that peace for yourself. When I moved to Europe and my to-be wife at the time didn't come with me, uh, it was a blessing in disguise. Because I ended up actually just giving myself this huge window of time and this opportunity to just heal, mm. to do minimal stuff and not have to worry about it. You know, I ended up, I, I got rid of everything, all of my stuff. And I, and I lived out of a backpack for years and my cost of living was like nothing, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I, 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 I shared an apartment with someone, originally a family and then a, and then a dude who was studying to be a vet afterwards. And that was it. I made life simple. Mm -hmm. And 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 all the other pro problems and traumas, they just went away. And then I started doing self-work. I started doing heavy meditation and Tai Chi and um, things that I was interested in. And, yep. and, and that's where it actually, I think it healed me the most, was yep. following my passion and what I was interested in, learning Absolutely. languages, learning um, anything, right? Yeah. So... How would you like to round up today? Because I, I just wanted to, to wrap that all up with my mm -hmm. personal experience that it took a couple, let's say, incidents in my life for me to get to where I am. Mm -hmm. And most people don't go through something like that. I think everybody goes through something in life. But I, I, I could definitely say that the reasons why I'm so distrusting of the medical industry is because of that 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 uh, that epoch, that time in my life that I had to go through, and they weren't there for me. Mm. I sh I show up in a, in a in a in a waiting room, and uh, my my doctor she when she was uh, she left the room to go do something, and I jumped on her computer because I wanted to see how many patients she had. It was thousands. She had thousands and thousands of patients yeah. and, and 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 she wouldn't give me more than five minutes to yeah. talk to me now i know why right even though the insurance company pays for the full uh, half an hour or, or hour or whatever five minutes of her time mm -hmm. and and that was for me the first real distrust in in all of that and you know and and for me the distrust in the social environment through leaving religion uh, at a young age set the 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 tone for me to also question you know name brands and company yep. structures and governments and corporations it, it all just kind of became a natural flow for me right but for the average person who hasn't gone through this i don't know what to tell them right i, I can't I, I like how how do you how do you yeah. do that to somebody who you know has to figure it out on their own and they have to find their own trauma and they have to f they have to get over it the hard way yeah i right? guess you know that's that's exactly that you can't you know can't just run around and try to convince people <laughs> about something because you don't really know their agenda maybe you know this is what they want to experience in life specific mm. that situation to figure it out themselves um well, I had the same a kind of a similar experience with with you know doctors and all that when when while I you're had talking, my... I'm gonna put the picture back up <laughs> because I think it's just it's still when I had the uh... sorry before you yeah. uh, don't forget your story. Uh, I've ran into a lot of these people mm. uh, in Berlin, and it's just it's just amazing for me still to see that this today is not still a big headline. You yeah. know, it's, 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 it's really something like this. To, this is something that really should be taught mm. in school to show people. This is why you learn to think for yourself. Also, if you think, you know, we have so many uh, holidays in Germany, but there is no Kontagan. 
kind well, of Memorial Day or something like you know, that. You know, I was thinking about like, this the other day. In Mexico, they have the Day of the Dead. They have an entire day where people rejoice yeah. in the cemetery and sing and dance to celebrate the dead. And yeah. I always thought to myself, that would be a great, that should be all over the Western world. Yeah. Right? A, a Again, day where here you really see, think about death. They see death differently, you know, as you yeah. said, you know, just don't want to talk about it. Don't want to hear about yeah. it. Germans are not happy to talk about death. That's, that's for sure. That's it because it will just remind them that life is endless and that um, you better figure out a life that is worth living. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to add, like I had a similar experience when I, when I went, uh, before I went all in, I had many, many issues in my health. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I had bladder problems. I had uh, constantly constipation, and my my you know my hormones were not in check. My hair was not working the mm. way it wanted it should be, and all it needed was just for me to sit my ass down, relax, and eat. But whereas I was visiting so many doctors, I was at specialists, you know, for my bladder, and they had little painful painful mm. um was that uh, examinations on me just to figure out what's wrong with me but no one no one of them came to the conclusion that i just just eat more but yet they wanted to give me the the, the craziest pills you know a lot of money yeah. into that specifically with the um the the child wish clinic i don't know if you call it like that but to 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 bring back the hormones into place yeah, right and all it took for me was just, as I said, you know, to eat more and rest and just just be more gentle and kind to myself. But there was no one, no one, even saying something like this that you know they they I, I think the medical industry nowadays they just see the body as itself and nothing else around it. There is no mental connection to it. I'm very lucky because I have a very nice um, doctor here in. Yeah. Um, our family doctor here uh, in the next village, she she is a real doctor, but also has a very um, homeopathic aspect to it. So every time when I'm there, she takes a lot of time for me and she asks me how I am doing and what is going on in my life before she even asks me about my mm. symptoms. And then we figure out together what it could be on the different levels and this is how it should be everywhere, yeah. right? I found it actually really interesting. Our family doctor... Um, forced people to take off their masks during the 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 covid uh, well she didn't force it but she she never wore a mask no no I've never uh, seen uh, him. she uh, there um she would ask people to ah. take it off ah, okay uh, because she when wanted they to see in. their faces right and um and it's funny because there was that and she refused to give out any of the covid vaccinations it was interesting because on the uh, google reviews for her mm -hmm. there were a lot of people complaining saying i feel so insulted she yeah. asked me to take my mask off mask off in the waiting room and told me it wasn't you it wasn't uh, necessary <laughs> and yeah. people were angry with her yeah, they were like, and that, and so it's because interesting. She was challenging their life. Uh, what were you right? She's almost retired. She has no. She has nothing to lose. She doesn't care. And that was the funny thing. And is, she is was that, just deeply, deeply convinced that this is not a good thing. That's it. Yeah, you know, it, she doesn't it was want more to, harm than good. Didn't want it to put her um, patients into danger. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting that even the patients were actually um, taking the hype from the media and confronting her with it and leaving her clinic, which yeah. they can do. They they can they can she, do. She, I had a know? conversation with her about that because I was curious. You know, they they even wrote an article about her in the in the local media, and people were just like, "Ah!" And she was the only doctor where you can't get the vaccine and all that. And she told me like, "Yeah, there were a lot of patients leaving her, but there were a lot also coming extra." for this to her Absolutely. because they felt understood and they felt like, well, there is actually someone, you know, like seeing the same than we do. And mm. it's, it's, yeah, that was also very helpful for me. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe just to round it up, I mean, this is just a very sad example, as you said, you know, of many, many, yeah. um, many aspects coming together, whereas, you know, just that, that clinical aspect where this drug wasn't tested proper. And the other aspect was that, yeah, I mean, you know, there was, not, no, not, there was no reaction and no res responsibility yeah. to um, to the different. It was not like from from today to tomorrow these horrible things happen, but over time. And this is, I think, where different um, aspects again. It actually kind of worked in, in the opposite direction. I think that the way that this was dealt with showed people in big business they can get away with a lot more without like it, it yes. actually. I think it actually encouraged carelessness in Europe. Probably, um, because yeah. Even the, the, that one min, um, Ministerium for Health, or mm -hmm. she, she came later on and she really, you know, um, she explained like she still to that day can't believe that this has happened in Germany and how this all worked together and that the politicians didn't do anything about it. And I think it yep. just shows you that maybe as also taking from, from this episode, that at the end, it's your own responsibility what you put into your body. It's your own responsibility um, how mm. you want to live your life and who you're trusting. And if you if you want to trust all these uh, farmers and all that, then you know this is your free choice. Then go for it. Pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals. Sorry. <laughs> Do this right. Um, but everyone can decide for themselves. And I, for myself, decided that I'm not trusting chemistry and pharmaceuticals and also seeing this from or chemicals yeah yeah well also seeing this from my point of view as a biologist working in an NGO where we you know have a lot to do with pesticides and all that and I know a lot of these informations behind the scenes and I can tell you this is a very ugly world yeah um it's well said and I'm I'm not trusting these people a bit you know <laughs> wanting good things for the environment and for people. And I say that that open because this is how I experience it in my life and this is how I see it. And I think it's important that people um, say it like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just straight into the point. So I think that's uh, that's where we're going to leave it for today. That's a nice yeah. closing statement. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for all of you guys out there, this has been another great episode of Smart Home Stupid People. We are live on Rockfin, Telegram, Twitch, and DLive. We didn't talk about this earlier today because I think that Maddie and I had a, enough to say without uh, doing any of the advertisements for today. And it's nothing new either. So. Well, I mean, even still, uh, for all of you guys listening to us on Rockfin, we are live, uh, meaning that you can post questions and join in. For any of you guys <laughs> out there who would like to talk to us between shows, join our Telegram um, channel and chat smart home stupid people you will find us and link to the smart home stupid people telegram channel you will find the smart home stupid chat in which you can actually just actively chat with other people and with us in um, in the telegram channel that being said also the ability to call in live is also there on telegram if you want to call in live during the show, you just say, hey, I'd like to call in. And you can call in and we'll bring you into the show in audio and audio video form if you'd like to. Something that we will be bringing out in the near future will be also the call-in function for all of you guys listening on Podbean. I haven't actually used it yet, um, but I have a good way as to how we're going to integrate it now into our um, into our video cast so that it's live and it's enjoyable and so on and so forth. So for all of you guys listening in the audio world only of Podbean, you will be able to call in very soon hmm. and join the show. Yeah. And for all of you guys out there that 
Podbean is also uh, aggregating this episode in audio form to all major platforms out there. So if you want to listen to Smart Home Stupid People, we have now, I don't know how many episodes we have. I have to take a look at it. A good uh, 50 or something like that, right? Yeah, uh, we've got a bunch and there is no old show. They're all relevant. We don't really dance around modern um, news topics. So for that reason, you could pretty much listen to any of our old episodes and it's just as fresh as the day we made it. <laughs> True, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and that being said, if you want to listen to us while on the bus and uh, or on the subway underground where you don't have reception, Rockfin's a great thing. We've been mm-hmm. lo- we've been loading up all of the audio podcast forms up to Rockfin. So for all of you guys out there, Rockfin is our home base right mm-hmm. now. All of our video archives are there for all the members. The last couple of weeks will always be free for everybody to see, but all the archives is uh, for the member section only. And we also now have for free the audio version on um, Rockfin so that if you don't have a a podcast player that you already like to use, Mm -hmm. a lot of the podcasts you could download and listen to offline, which is why podcasts are really cool. I think that you can just download the show. It doesn't take a lot of bandwidth. You put your headphones on, you can listen to it in the car and don't have to worry about uh, even... Because I always always travel with my phone in airplane mode. I just don't like being disturbed when I'm moving around like that. Um, And so I always download what I want to watch first. So I could even, with Rockfin, you could download the video version of this and watch it offline when you're on the way to wherever you want to go. It's fully amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So so I wanted to put that out there because that's the way I, 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 like for me as a, as a podcast video cast consumer, that's how I do it. I download, I, I joined Rockfin. I have a couple um, apps that I like that are are third party apps where I can sign up using um, uh, my membership. Uh, I'm I'm a member of a couple video cast and podcast uh, platforms and um, I download this stuff and I listen to it when I'm on the go. I love it. Even when I'm at work, I sit in front of the computer and I always have a video cast or a podcast on in the background because I just think that the ambient noise and moving my head away from the screen to look at even if it's another screen, just to move my head around when I have a, a, a long computer day in front of me, it helps a lot. So. See, yeah, you're actually totally different than I am because I actually enjoy a lot silence, <laughs> which does not mean that I'm not never There's listen to anything. Always noise else. around me, multiple <laughs> forms of noise. Sometimes I'll have a, a, a movie on, I'll have a podcast going and yeah. music at the same time, and 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 none of them are quiet either. I just sometimes I I I, I like that. There yeah, are, yeah. Uh, there are uh, times for silence, but uh, when I'm when I'm in my work mode, I I don't mind having all the noise around me. Yeah. It helps me actually tune my focus to what I'm actually focusing on. We're all different. We're all different. I hope so. <laughs> I actually like, you know, when I'm in the kitchen and I'm cooking, preparing the food that I have a podcast or like, I, I actually enjoy more the video cast because I like seeing the people who are talking. Yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> so cool thing. So that's how, yeah. I, how I listen to it. But yeah. And... Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I, 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 thought, I thought that sentence <laughs> I was going to continue. And then I looked at that cat and she, she looked at me and I forgot what I was oh to say. Oh my God. All righty, <laughs> everybody. This has been bye bye. Forgotten Side Effects. Yes. Season two, episode seven. Have yourselves a one dear full weekend. Yeah, we have a... We, a one dear full Yeah, I know. I was just about to think of something else. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got to go eat. Um, yeah. We've already experienced... Uh, no. North America has already changed their time for yeah, the spring. We haven't. We haven't yet. This is why we are five hours apart. If you are Central uh, or Eastern Standard Time, um, it's going to be like that for the next week or so. 
So that means next weekend, I believe uh, it's going to be a five hour difference. That means that we're going on at normal time over here in Germany, which is 6 p.m. for us. So it'll be 1 p.m. noon for you guys for the next week or so. Mm -hmm. All right. Until then, have yourselves a wonderful weekend. See you next week. Bye bye.